Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Myth Unscripted. And today we have a very, very special guest, and I'm just going to introduce him shortly. Um, be sure to uh, buy your tickets for Myth. It's happening on November 26th. Uh, all of our social media channels are posted on Instagram. But without further ado, I'm going to introduce Kashif Basta. Um, he's an award-winning director, a writer, and producer uh, using film and storytelling to tell character-driven stories uh, centered on South Asian and Muslims with a sense of joy and wonder. He's also the co-founder of Dunya Media. It's a production company that empowers filmmakers of color to tell stories with uh, purpose, where he recently won the 2022 SXSW Grand Jury Prize and Audience Awards. So this is a music video for producing. And his most recent directorial work is uh, the South Asian motion sci-fi drama short, Daisy Standard Travel Time, or Time Travel, Daisy Standard Time Travel. So it's a very catchy name. I personally was really uh, automatically drawn towards it when I saw that. So looking forward to hearing a lot more about that. And gosh, I'm going to hand it over to you. If you have any other words to share, I'll let you introduce yourself. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. I'm, I'm excited to be screening at MIF and, and to be on the show. And yeah, it's great. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. We, we love having you here. Uh, thank you for taking the time once again. Uh, I guess we'll go right into the thick of things and maybe take us mm -hmm. back to the beginning. Uh, what really, I guess, inspired you or when and how did you get into the filmmaking industry? Yeah, there's a combination of things. I feel like for me, it kind of all started when I found out that movies, I, I, <laughs> I guess I got into film when I, I realized that all movies and TV shows aren't real. Uh, right, it took my right. older sisters explaining to me when I was three that like, no, Saved by the Bell is not real kids in a real high school. Right. They're playing make-believe and that is their job. Right. And that kind of blew my mind at three years old. And I was like, I want to play make-believe for a job and trick other three-year-olds <laughs> and make them happy. That sounds great. And I kind of fell in love with movie magic and never really got over the phase uh, even when things got really serious, right? And they did. 9-11 happened on my yeah. 10th birthday. Wow. Uh, and that, yeah, I'll tell you right now, that is a crazy way to get into your, like, preteens and teenage years that, and seeing yeah. people who look like us get increasingly stereotyped and villainized. Right. And and that kind of really taught me the power of, the, the destructive power of storytelling and media and what it can do and, and to real world mm -hmm. effect and, and the importance of telling your own story and getting your sure. own perspective in there. And True. so that definitely took a serious turn, but also I kind of never let go of that movie magic side, right? I, my family yeah. got to know North America through movies and TV. I got to know South Asian culture through Pakistani and Indian movies and TV. And so kind of a, a combination of the two and just, again, never really got through the phase. And and yeah. and that's kind of what I do now. Try to tell a serious, talk about serious things, but yeah. with that sense of fun and with that sense of uh, hope, at least and optimism at the end, for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, to be fair, I mean, a lot of filmmakers or people have their stories of getting into the industry they're in, right? And I'm assuming 9-11 yeah. had a, a major impact in how you see things going forward, right? Especially as a 10-year-old kid, like, that must have scarred you in some way or the other. It must have been some sort of an experience growing up and have that impact on your career right now. So what was that like? Did you draw from that experience at any time in your career? Yeah, it's crazy. I actually missed 9-11. This is true. Oh, okay. My elementary school went on camping trips every September. Okay. And so at the beginning of the school year, we go on this camping trip. It's five days and they were very hardcore right. about like, no, we're out in nature, no phones, yeah, like, yeah. we don't contact family, whatever. And so we go on the Monday 
And then the Tuesday, my birthday, that was, you know, that was the day. Uh, and mm-hmm. we didn't know anything. And then like Tuesday, Wednesday, we started to notice like our teachers acting a little different. Someone at the campsite next to us was, a, there's a little bit of awkwardness. We're mm-hmm. not quite sure what's going on. Wednesday, we found out like something about airports being closed, but like oh, wow. no okay. real sense of it. And then Thursday, we go on this three hour hike up this mountain and they take us up to this like lake. And the teachers, poor teachers, they had, you know, 39, 10 year old kids that they had to yeah. break this news to yeah. and take to the, to the top of this lake. And they go, hey, you know, on Tuesday, the World Trade Centers were attacked and we're all 10 years old. We go, what did the World Trade Centers? We, yeah, exactly. We have no idea. Yeah. We have no idea they explained yeah. to us. Yeah, they explained to us what had happened. And it obviously was really significant. And so we took that in and 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 thought about it and, and got to have that discussion. But when we came home on the Friday, what was fascinating was we had just received the facts, just the bullet points. This is what happens. It, it was right. awful. Everybody at home had had the 24-hour news cycle, the images, the repeated images, the storytelling mm-hmm. around it, and had such a had a different perception of the events in terms of obviously everybody thought it was awful, but they, you know, constantly seeing those really violent yeah. images was a different thing. And so that kind of taught me right at 10 years old, it was a little A-B test of like yeah. the power of the image and of story right. because I had the no image version and then you right. saw that. And so on some right. deeper level, like like I said earlier, like even though I love making things that are fun and give people a sense of like escapism mm-hmm. that did and, and the change that happened after that kind of taught me yeah again how much that image makes a difference right and then you see it in yeah. the in the years past that like things like my family's from or my dad's from pakistan mm. and like over the years then it gets in the news they start to refer to it as middle eastern before it was right. south asian right yes. and then it, it kind of goes between shifts, south asian yeah, and middle eastern yeah. the way that people want to talk about it and you started to get that really keen observation of that and mm. so that's a big it's not entirely the reason but it is a big part mm-hmm. of the reason why everything i do i feel like i have to have some sense of purpose behind it because um i've seen the the power that that images and, and storytelling have firsthand mm-hmm. no that uh, that's a that's a great point because i mean you mentioned you know at, a, at such a young age like, you don't even know what, what what's going on like what what the hell mm-hmm. is the world trade center right and it's, yeah. it's more like a cause and effect it's like okay that nine eleven happened but how's that affect me like, yeah. am I really concerned about it? Or, and then, and then you start seeing the repercussions of uh, your your faith or, or your skin color, mm-hmm. right? And then people start to like just discriminate you for that. So, you know, related to that, has that ever impacted you in your career? Like, have you ever received or faced any challenges or received discriminations based on your faith? And has that caused hurdles for you in progressing in your career? Yeah, I'd say career wise. It hasn't been as direct and obvious. I would say it has had an impact, but it's never mm. as like overt as you would think it would be, right? It's yeah. no one saying like, this is why you're not getting this thing. But I think that there are, you know, the the way you are seen affects the stories that certain gate, gatekeepers want to allow you to tell, right? So if you yeah. look at like who is, who is funding the work. So uh, I do a lot of work in the US now, originally from Canada, where obviously there's a lot of the government funding for storytelling, which is- right cool that we have those programs but it's also okay. like what stories does the government want to let you tell right like yeah are yeah. your is your you know, on the one hand you come from this like immigrant background of like you know i come from surrey so it's very south asian heavy city mm. uh and it's like you know people have to like have a certain amount of like optimism and confidence to survive and then you mm-hmm. go into the maybe granting system where it's like is your trauma traumatic enough to be worthy of funds right Ooh. because okay. if you're like happy and talking from a place of power 
Mm. It's like, mm, I don't know if that fits in with, you know, how you're seen. And so like, even with this short film that we're screening at MIF this week, you know, I've it's it's a bit it's it's on the longer side of shorts, right? It's like 19 minutes. Right. And and that is a challenge for festivals always because you know there's like 10 minute films, yeah, 20, you know, for sure. it's a challenge to let 90 minutes in. But I've heard directly, like, hey, if your film's over 14 minutes, it's gotta be about a refugee of war. It's gotta be, you know, mm. quote unquote important through the eyes yeah, of that right. gatekeeper. Whereas my film is a family story. It's definitely yeah. deep about family emotions, but it's like, yeah. mm, it's not really about oppression, right? Like, yeah. it's not about like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Islam being the enemy. And if it was, then they'd be True. like, oh, it has that importance. And right, so, exactly. so it's been interesting in that sense. And and for me, the amazing thing has been festivals like MIF, uh, the other South Asian film festivals, other Muslim film festivals. Um, and of course, we've gotten into mainstream ones as well, but really having that now circuit of these like, uh, culturally specific festivals that just value you for your stories and and bring those audiences together because mm-hmm. our audiences also need stories that aren't just re-traumatizing them and sit in this theater and for two hours just feel bad and leave exactly. right like exactly th- th- we those stories are important we need to also right. tell those but we've right. got to mix and match a little bit and if you just associate mm-hmm. your identity with feel bad then that's what's going to lead us you know these younger and younger kids you're going to be like i don't want to associate with yeah what you're calling my identity because that's just negative yeah. and i want to just be a happy person and like yeah. bipoc and happy or muslim and happy just i don't yeah. see those together so you know yeah it can't happen it, it yeah. must be it, it must be such a real challenge for you especially in your role to you know you're so many so many different types of audiences and viewers are you know looking at your work or watching your short films and stuff and to kind of send a, a message across right you i know you you know you like to go into like the thick of things and be, be be real about a lot of the issues that are being presented and stuff but a lot of times i feel like like you said like you know not all short films have to be if it's longer than 14 15 minutes they don't have to be about refugees they don't have to be about islam being the enemy because i feel like sometimes people do that just to kind of stay woke and be like relevant you know what i'm saying it's like oh mm-hmm. let's just address the issue but they're kind of forcing it rather than actually you know diving di- like diving deep into like the realism of it so um you know i want to kind of ask you like how do you think you're able to impact the viewers perspectives on the realism mm-hmm. out there in the world especially in regards to islam and you being a muslim as well because i still feel like no matter how much diversity and inclusion and a lot of these mm-hmm. efforts that are going on around us it's great but there's always going to be people that see us for the way they saw us before like back in 2000 yeah. or 2001 kind of thing so you know how, how are you kind of tackling that as, as a as a creative in the industry yeah i'll say it is really tough to still it, it is really tough to tell stories that are culturally authentic and not corny <laughs> do yes. right or, yes. or that are, are also accessible to a wide group so for me like there's a lot of discussion right now about representation and representation on screen. Super important. I do care about it. For me, what I care about even more is who is being centered in a story. What's the perspective mm. of it? Mm. Because a lot of times, and again, there's a place for every kind of story. But for me personally, you know, again, growing up in Surrey, very South Asian, heavy city, I didn't really technically, I didn't really grow up as a minority to right, a certain right. extent, right? Like I, I grew up seeing people who looked like me on screen at the movie theater. It was Bollywood movies, so they didn't live like me. But <laughs> yeah. I grew up seeing that. Yeah. You know, we had a Bhangra team at our high school, Diwali is right. a holiday. It's not necessarily super Muslim, but it's on the South Asian side to visit there, right. right? Your bus driver is South Asian, your teacher is South Asian. And so... For me, my personal story isn't that, you know, my food smelled weird at school and mm. the white kids thought it was weird. And now I'm trying to prove myself to them in my yeah. adult. Like, it's just not right. And so 
so for me, and I, and I want to give that to the audience of like putting underrepresented audiences at the center of a story, not just defining them in relation to their whiteness, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, you know, and, and, and for me, I do try to make it accessible. I want everybody to be able to enjoy, but I'm focused on the, the people that are on screen being in the audience. And then mm-hmm. what I found is, to be honest, like the mainstream does tend to like my stories. And if you look at like a white audience, which I have a significant portion of my audience is, like they actually enjoy that because to a certain extent, it feels like a burden's being taken off. They're not watching a thing that's like, the the success of this depends yeah. on your approval. Your approval and you yeah, have to exactly. feel bad or good or whatever, because True. that still puts the power in their hands. And there's a certain relaxing nature to being like, here, you're being let in on a world. It's a very authentic look at a world. You're welcome to be here, 100%. It's just not, you're just, you're not the center of everything. And I find that those audiences actually are like, great. I want to relax for a minute and just enjoy this. I don't want to be let in on that world because I drive by the mosque. I drive, I see multiple communities in my city, but Mm -hmm. I, I don't have an insight onto it. And it's almost like as soon as they're part of it, they're affecting the the results. Right. So it's like, it is this weird relationship. And just by being like, no, I'm going to center ourselves. Yeah. People do feel that connection. And so that I find is, is, is kind of fun. And so in terms of actually being able to like talk about quote unquote issues that are important to me or identity, I found that, yeah, like the more emotionally specific we can get on a character, the more relatable and universal it ends up being, right? For sure. The short that we're screening at MIFF is essentially a father-son story. Um, And I had, you know, I had a a scene that was at a mosque. I had a scene that was at uh, a Geneza. And those, you know, one by one, things started getting cut for budget reasons. And I was like, oh, man, I'm losing all my Muslim-y scenes. I'm like, this was like... This was my this was my Muslim project because I wanted to like you know, tell Muslim story, and what's fascinating is I I mean I had to let go of those things for practical reasons, and then at the end of the day, I, I, what I didn't even realize was happening was because the story was authentic to me emotionally, there were and because it was coming from my point of view, the point of view was very Muslim. Yeah, like yeah. regardless even with that, what I thought was important was the symbology of the mosque, and I know yeah. to be honest, it would have been cool. But but even without that, like, very obvious, like, symbolism, yeah. the perspective, the values, the the tone w- was there. And so right. realizing that, like, oh, just through my own life, I've been seasoning the pot and that is my perspective. And exactly. so, you know, yeah, right. it was so that was an interesting learning on this film specifically. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's good. It's, it, it's, it's all about perspective, I think, at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Like, and, and I think even the, the emotional piece that you mentioned, uh, adding on to that, I think even vulnerability is, yeah. is something that, um, you know, we can relate to as viewers in the yeah. audience. Like, we don't want to see just like a facade or like a veil. You want to actually, you know, be connected with the character yeah. that you're centering your entire film around. And then for yeah. that, you have to be vulnerable, whether it's, personally investing yourself in the mm-hmm. film and kind of letting go of those experiences or even showing vulnerability in the character i feel so and it's kind of no matter who the audience is right because even if it's um even if it's an entirely south let's say south asian or muslim audience yeah if you don't think about that emotional connection there'll there'll be a certain amount of people will be excited to see a mosque on screen and they'll be excited to see yeah. ramadan because we haven't seen it before so it's still novel for sure but but on some level, you know, this happens sometimes where you like grade Muslim stuff on a curve where you're like, it yeah. was good, you know, for a halal restaurant or it was good <laughs> considering that. And like, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's like, we're always going to have that. But so even for, for a Muslim audience, you, you do need to be focusing on those human emotions because ultimately that's what we are at the end of the day. And, you know, I, 
not to throw halal restaurants on the bus, I will say sure. like, especially in Toronto, like yeah. the last five, six years have been really cool. Right. So you see it progressing and, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, so there, there is that as well of like, and then it happens to work for every audience because ultimately yeah. like that's why we're watching films is to connect emotionally with something bigger than ourselves, regardless of identity. And so, yeah, if you connect with that little human piece, I find that that works really yeah. well. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to comment on that a little later. I'm going to, just make sure I note that because I have something to say about that too. But uh, I'm gonna ask. I think I think we should move into maybe sure, sure. like uh, more of your film. So I think our mm-hmm. viewers would love to know, uh, and we're all looking forward to watching the film uh, at the screening as well. But without giving too much away, can you tell us a little bit about the STP? Yeah, this is standard time travel is a short film about this young father to be Imran who's nervous about having his first kid, um, and he doesn't have the best relationship with his own dad. They have this argument and, and he doesn't realize that's the last conversation they're ever going to have. And so he feels mm-hmm. that regular guilt of 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 not being a good enough son uh, right. until his dad's life insurance comes through. And it has this unique clause uh, of, of having a time travel clause where he's oh, going to wow. be able to go back in time and spend one last evening with his dad and fix that conversation. But it is Indian time travel because we're, you know, <laughs> they aren't the best at time management in the first place. Instead of sending him back two months, they send him back 30 years. Oh, wow. And so he meets his parents when they're his age, they're new immigrants to Canada and they are pregnant with him. So he thinks he's going to go back and get all this parenting advice and, you know, finally see his dad as this like serious sage father, but uh, they're kind of peers and they end up being at the same mm-hmm. level. And um, so it's kind of about seeing your parents as real people for the first time and mm-hmm. yeah, seeing each other as real people and going from there. Wow. That is so interesting. And I, I don't think like it's not well sci-fi or this time travel kind of concept. It's not really a common medium in like, you know, Pakistani films or, or Desi films right. or, and, and stuff like that. Right. So what was your experience working with that whole genre? Yeah, it's fun. I've I've always loved, you know, heightened realities. I grew up on a lot mm-hmm. of um, British comedy, British sci-fi, where especially on the sci-fi yeah. side, their work a lot of times, especially when you don't have a huge budget, it's like it's yeah. it's really using it as a dramatic plot device, right? Like I knew going into yeah. this that it wasn't going to be like this crazy VFX extravaganza, mm-hmm. but being able to use something a little bit um, out of the ordinary like that to talk about something thematically really close. And so, right. you know, it's increasing on the Pakistani side, increasing on the South Asian side. I think we're still early days, but um, but it was really fun. It was freeing in a way because mm-hmm. it takes us a little bit out of reality, a little bit out of the day-to-day and in, in abstracting things a little bit, it kind of actually allows you to put yourself in the shoes of the main character. Mm-hmm. And so I found that to be really fun and and something very simple, just adding a sci-fi premise to an emotional story can be really innovative. And this is actually the second or third South Asian sci-fi project I've been involved with accidentally. And they've been really, yeah, we did, I produced one last year called Mom vs. Machine, which was um, this mother-son story, son and his third, they don't, you know, they don't have the best relationship either. Uh, But the mom kind of shows her love through through cooking at least until her Mm. son gets this food printing machine that can make the perfect biryani and then mom feels threatened of her role in the family and it's kind of, it's Mom vs. Machine, right? And so it's this kind of (laughs) sci-fi action a uh, dark comedy um, right. that I produced last year. And it, it's getting really fun because on the one hand, like at first I thought the benefit would just be like, oh, it'll be more accessible to people outside the community because True. at least it's okay. Like, hey, this is kind of a fun thing. But also even within the community, I think it's a mm. fun way to, again, yeah, take ourselves out of the moment and be able to actually like have a little bit of, bit of fun, but still be able to talk about a relatively serious topic yeah. um, and kind of engage with our emotions in a, in a very real way. And so, yeah, yeah. it's a bit, it's a little bit of escapism. That's really fun. Right? Yeah, and, for sure. And kind of bring our like, cultural yeah. spin to it. 
Yeah, no, I'm sorry. And I feel like the uh, the sci-fi genre is kind of acting like that that cloak of vulnerability that we were talking yeah. about earlier. I feel like if you if you engage in such a humorous way or like a, in a in a lighthearted way, and you're still poking at the flaws in our society, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like and our culture and our upbringing, which is really important to do for us to kind of progress as as like a society or like as a nation. But um, I think yeah. that sci-fi is it's a very cool way to kind of do it. That so I'm really glad you're kind of doing that. I'm really looking forward to uh, watching the awesome. too. too. Um, yeah, it's been, and, I was it was gonna. Oh, sorry. Go on, go on, go <laughs> on. The go Zoom on. thing. No, I'm just gonna say I've been really lucky to do these couple of like Muslim and South Asian sci-fi projects where it kind of allows us to imagine and like yeah. a lot of times the the especially in film or in in Canadian North American film like mm-hmm. the word. BIPOC starts to get associated with like small scale and they're not necessarily related words, but like it kind of, to a certain extent, you know, the, the insistence that everything has to be like a grounded dramatic sad thing. It kind of, it, it limits our ability to imagine. And and that's kind of like a, that's a big deal to me, right? Like to, to have an entire community be like, we don't do that. We only have like the real gritty world and it's going to ruin. It's terrible when it's us. And mm-hmm. and and so there's something fun about still talking about very real stories, but giving yeah. us that space to imagine things yes. and kind of a- activate those neurons that we don't always get to. And so uh, it started as a fun thing, but I feel like it's been really significant as we've gone along I with guess. it. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really good, and it caters to like a whole different niche within the society and outside of society as well, too. Right? Like some people who have developed yeah. a certain way of thinking where it's not like our parents or like our older generations. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, much respect to them, like and what they do, but. You know things are changing like we we see the world differently than they do right so i feel like you know mm-hmm. that also caters to the to those types of audiences um but yeah. uh but yeah no uh, that's great uh, again looking forward to seeing that um <laughs> i'm gonna jump to something uh that you had mentioned i think it was on twitter uh so mm-hmm. i think you've Uh-oh. been pretty vocal about joyland um so right. i think you tweeted uh, something along the along lines of the spirit of Islam cannot survive a ban on self reflection. So, what did you mean by that? I want like, can we elaborate on you know what you? Meant? I'm gonna use your research, man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so Joyland, and I haven't had the honor of, of watching it yet, but it is a Pakistani film that uh, uh, sounds like it's actually more fun than than people expect. But um, I guess it touches on some LGBTQ uh, related issues and. And recent, you know, it's won international awards at Cannes and TIFF and and screened around the world, mm-hmm. and audiences have been loving it. And then recently, it and it was it was approved by the censor board of Pakistan. And then in the last month or so, there was uh, kind of a lot of protest to get it rebanned. Mm. Um, and for me, yeah, the the yeah, I did say that, didn't I? No, for me, a, a big challenge is like, or a big thing that how, how would I put it? Uh, so I'm a I'm a religious practicing Muslim, and yeah. a lot of times. The assumption is for for both people who are and aren't practicing Muslims right. is like, oh, that thing is seemingly against my practice, and so ban it, right? And mm. and without even having watched it or engaging with it at all, and I think there's a real danger in that because, besides just not knowing what the content is, but for me, like Islam is not a religion that is disassociated from the real world, mm. right? And and the insistence on you know, um, I went to Madrasa until I was eight years old and therefore I know the secrets to the universe, right? right. <laughs> it is, is a tough intellectual place to stem from because 
you run the risk of not actually connecting with the sure. religion and with the with with it. And 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 when people aren't willing to question it, to me that comes across as a lack of faith. Because if you don't think it's going to stand mm-hmm. up to, you know, who who's bigger, God or this movie, right? And I, I'm not sure. even saying that the movie is against Islam. I bet yeah, it's actually yeah. like I, I'm I'm sure that it's really good because there was a, another film a couple of years ago called Zindagi Tamasha that was the same producers mm-hmm. as Joyland got banned in Pakistan. Because right. the trailer had a moment that it implied, you know, LGBTQ themes as well. And there's a moment where he argues with uh, with the Mulvey in Pakistan. And so everybody, you know, it's banned. It. And mm-hmm. I, you know, shout out to, you know, the South Asian Film Festival circuit. I got to see it at the Vancouver South Asian Film Festival. And it right. was truthfully, not only were the issues that people had with the trailer not truly issues in the film, but also it was like the most Islamic film I had ever seen. Like oh. it was truly about a a main character's love of the Prophet Sallallahu and mm. and things spinning out within the community and that becoming a, a like p- people gatekeeping his access to his own love for the Prophet. Mm. It was a very religious film right. uh, from a gay director, right? But but a super, like really one of the most powerful like Islamic experiences I've had in a movie right. theater. But people sure. in Pakistan couldn't watch it because it was banned. Hmm. And it's hmm. like, oh, if you, if you, even if a film was actually challenging to your values, you have to believe your values are more powerful. You have to believe, you know, who who's more powerful, God or you know, a TIFF programmer, right? Like, can right. your right. stand up to that? And and what happens a lot of times when you engage in that is actually you're you're learning more of an aspect of like how life really is, how people are living, gives you that sense of empathy to others, which is never a bad thing. And so, yeah, I just find that closed-mindedness to me is antithetical to Islam. And so Mm. it gets really frustrating when when that's used as an excuse to close your mind because... True. um, Hmm. Because, yeah, there's a a lot out there and we need to be open to more perspectives. And, you know, if there is an issue that one has with a film... You know, I have I have friends that love Rami. I have friends that have issues with Rami, right? And and the real answer to something like that is like we just need more stories. Actually, we just need right. more and more perspectives. Not not shut down the one that exists. It's True. add a dozen more so that we have a more complete image. Right, right. No, and and I like I like that. Like instead of shutting yourself off to one, to like you know add more perspectives so you can get a holistic picture and a pers- like you know yeah. you build your own opinion that way. Um, but you know I feel like nowadays it's like a very touchy subject mm-hmm. especially with like over the years like you know like you know i want to say it's a lot of people or a lot of society as a whole we've become more sensitive to uh different topics uh that are kind of portrayed in mainstream media and stuff like even for example like fifa world cup is happening right now and got banning alcohol and not supporting lgbtq and then mm-hmm. and then they're threatening to give you know yellow cards to players and fouls and themes for people who don't wear lgbtq patches right. on their jerseys so some people are forced to but yeah. some people are choosing to and and this whole battle between your openness uh, as a muslim as a practicing muslim mm. and, but when lgbtq like comes into the picture like where, where's the line drawn right like do you support uh you know an lgbtq director who is mm-hmm. at the end of the day sending out an islamic message or like it's a powerful islamic mm-hmm. ver- message versus like you know so how do you how do you like support? Well, not, you know, because Islamically, I mean, Islam doesn't support LGBTQ or whatever, but at the same time, like you as a person, it's like, where do you, where do you draw the line? Right. In your experience, like how have you dealt with that? I think so. So um, yeah, there's a lot of efforts right now within Muslims. I mean, pro- there's been a lot of efforts forever, right. Of like that we, we get very, um, everybody's like a thick master, right? Like a, a jurisprudence yeah. person who's like, okay, I got to figure out this rule, that rule, that rule. 
And to me, I, one thing I do know, I, I'm I'm not knowledgeable on, you know, every at the nuances of every subject, but I know that the number one sin in Islam is shirk, right? Associating partners mm. with God. And to me, when you get when I get into a zone of of judging other people, are they in? Are they out? Are they are they legit? Are they not legit? This is now getting into a zone where I'm starting to judge people. That's not my job. Now, now I'm associating myself as a partner with God. And I'm like, mm. ooh, that I know is number one. We could debate mm. some other stuff. Is music halal or haram? Mm. Is this level of LGBT? But I know for sure I'm not supposed to associate partners with God. And I'm like, okay, not my department. Of all the issues I could be focusing on, uh, there, there's so many more that True. I don't think it's my place even to be like, you're in, you're out. I support, I don't support. It's more... Um, I think especially my specific role is more creating the space for people to be able to bring their full selves to everything. And then, you know, from there, uh, you know, we, we, we take what we like, leave what we don't kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and allow that space because we, we never know what's inside someone's heart. Right. And, and, um, and uh, yeah, so I think that's what it is for me is like, it's not my department. <laughs> True. Yeah. No, it's, I think, and, I think it's a great message. I mean, yeah, it's a good, that's a, no, it's well put because again, like you said, uh, there's a lot of different issues we can be focusing on, especially yeah. as Muslims. Like we don't, we're, we're always pick and choose as we grow up. I feel like the yeah. majority of us yeah. nowadays in the society growing yeah. up, like we're pick and choose Muslims. Right. And we, we do the yeah, best yeah. we can, but you can't judge uh, on what a person's story is and what their perspective on uh, is as a Muslim or their upbringing. Mm -hmm. and stuff. So, Focus on what you can focus on the main things, you know, like yeah. make sure you're good on your five pillars, I guess. And then, yeah. you know, take it from there. Right. Then you're, you're doing yeah, your yeah, job. Yeah. My real challenge is like the time changed. And now yeah. it's like really hard to pray my like the harassment group on time. Yeah. Or like, because it's like, <laughs> oh no, I like even before, this call this call's gonna be an hour and i was having lunch before this and i was like wait the calls from one to two i gotta pray my daughter before one because at yeah. two it's like already also time like that's, that's yeah. the real struggle it's a struggle <laughs> right exactly yeah yeah it's, it's um, beneficial because in winter time you can do the harass or mugger and one with and then you're good you know <laughs> you know sometimes. and and i admire the gas control you have for that, <laughs> but sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't work i think then that's the kind of representation where i'm like Man, people are like obsessing over, you know, especially externally. It's like a lot of debates about hijab and this and that. And I'm like, okay, it's up to the individual, whatever people decide. Yeah. The real issue that Muslims think about all the time when we don't talk about is like, like flatulence. Like we don't, <laughs> like we're not, we're underrepresented on that. Like every Muslim's like, can I, is it now? Is now the time? Yeah. Don't want to, like yeah. we're all yeah, doing the gas. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, exactly. that's the real, real. That's what we're all, you know, related to. So <laughs> that's what it's we like, we, focus on. Yeah. that's what we got to focus on. Like, parking at the Masajid, like, what are we doing? Slippers being stolen. What's the, yeah, that's it. What's the, slippers being stolen, slippers in the wudu area being like, gross yeah. and wet, what do I do? Like, <laughs> these are the, <laughs> these are the real yeah, issues yeah. facing our community where it's like, okay, let's, let's, let's get to it, right? And, and a lot of times we're allowing the debate to be framed externally. Like, true, Ted true. Cruz cares about what bathroom trans people go to. Now we care about what bathroom trans people go to. Uh, yeah. Republicans care about gay rights. Now we're going to debate abortion. <laughs> Yo, know, like Trump is not our our like yeah. our scholar. He's not our leader, yeah. right? Like we can't be letting just whatever Fox yeah. News decides as the debate to be the debate. True. Again, that centers them, right? So it's like, what do we want to talk about? Right? Exactly. Like, yeah. And focus, it's kind of a joke to be like, I want to talk about parking, but at the same time, it's like, 
no, actually legit. Like that's a real thing that keeps people from Juma is like getting in and out of the parking lot. I can't take the time off work. So it's like, okay. What do you Um, do? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Sisters area at the message. Let's improve it. Let's make it make space. Right. So uh, maybe we won't debate hijab as much if, if women can actually have some room to be in there. Exactly. Maybe, maybe some people try it on and then they're like, Hey, I like this. I want to keep it. Right. So so yeah. yeah, we got to center ourselves and and what's really important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that focus on uh, growing us internally, organically. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, so let's go, I guess, last couple of questions before we kind for of end sure. on. And it's a, I'm, like, I love where the conversation is going. So it's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like we can go for a while. <laughs> we could go on for days. Yeah. Um, so aside from, you know, DSCT, are you uh, working on any other projects. Uh, I know you have Like Brothers. It's like another big project that you're working on. So maybe you can tell us a bit a bit about that and and maybe just circling back to the SCT. And I know you have like six theatrical dates already with that. Um, do you have any yeah. goals on where you want to take this afterwards? Yeah, so um, maybe we'll go inverted. Maybe we'll go with time travel first. So um, yeah, November was a fun month. We happened to have like six screenings in the same month. So now, now you know, five are done and, and MIF's the one we're all building to, uh, which is exciting. And it, it was a really cool opportunity. And kind of like I mentioned earlier, having these South Asian film festivals, Muslim film festivals around mm-hmm. has been really cool because I think there was a time where Maybe it was like, oh, our stuff isn't shown around and we need, you know, in one city, they're like, we need to create our own film festival. And then in another city, it happened in another city. And, you know, these were kind of stepping stones to maybe mainstream. And now what's really cool is a lot of these festivals have been around for 10, 15, 20 years. And it really, I've been to a few now and, and it doesn't feel like they're stepping stones anymore. It feels like that is the destination. That is where the community is. True. Moscow's yeah. myth, IFSA, uh, yeah. VISAF. It's like, no, like that's actually, that's where the audience is. And that's more and more people yeah. come every year. And it's like, that's the destination. So that's been really cool is to like, to have these partner organizations that are building the audiences in each city mm-hmm. and then be able to like, come to them with a story, come to them with a film, come to you guys with something. And then, you know, that collaboration, it's like, I approach filmmaking from a sense of community building, whether that's with the yeah. cast, the crew, or at this stage where it's like at festivals and stuff. And it's so great mm-hmm. to have that community grow. So for me, the goal is to show it at more festivals, short term, yeah. right? Show it at more festivals, grow that community, connect with audiences. And then eventually we're going to put the film out online. I started making films around just, just before YouTube uh, was founded. Yeah. And so for me, yeah. like I've come up during YouTube and it's like, oh, everything I do, I put online really quickly. And this one has been a fun experiment in like, hold on the online release. Let me learn about festivals and release mm-hmm. to festivals. And that's been really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I want to learn about more festivals. I want to do that circuit. And then hopefully kind of this time next year, we might put it out, out and release it. Okay. Um, in, in the meantime, something that's been happening to, to address your other question is that I've started work on a feature version of it. Um, there's that's been awesome. a lot of interest in that and that's been very encouraging. And so that's cool. early stages of that, um, you mentioned like brothers. So that's my first feature film that inshallah is mm-hmm. set to, uh, go to camera, uh, next year. Inshallah. Yeah. That one is a, uh, kind of comedy drama about two half brothers, one from Pakistan, one from here who didn't really know each other their whole lives. And then their dad passes away. And part of his will is like, you guys have to get together, do these certain challenges to unlock my inheritance. And so now they kind of have to like work together for the first time, get to know each other, kind of reconcile their grief and these different versions they have of, of dad. 
Um, mm. But it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and That's so cool. that one, uh, that one's moving forward, inshallah. And then, um, yeah, some other projects, some shorts. I was trying to not do any more shorts, but some fun, <laughs> some fun one potential ones have come up. And so hopefully you get to do those and awesome. bring those back to myth. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's so cool. I, I love I love talking to creatives because you guys have so many like amazing ideas with your storytelling. It's yeah, like I wish it. I had that kind of mindset because it's just so fun to like that's something I would want to watch. You know, it's already right, so right, engaging right. you talking about it. I can't imagine how good a movie is going to be. So, um, <laughs> I mean, one you, you probably do have those that. ideas. Yeah, I was going to say you probably do have those ideas, but also like the, this this entertainment like there's so i wish somebody had told me early that there's like more jobs than just like actor or director where yeah. there's so many different places to fit in and whatever skill set mm -hmm. you have my wife went to business school and she works on the studio system right because she oh, has wow. the like the accounting skill set the finance right. skill set but right. still gets to be involved in the industry because you know right. we need people who who are smart at finance True. as True. well True. um and True. so there's always those different uh those different entry points so i, I would say you probably are more creative than you think but also we need uh, we need every skill set um yeah. and and to get where we need to go yeah yeah absolutely no it's good it's good to hear at least we have a lot of we have different places in the industry but hey if you ever need an actor i'm i'm here so hey, uh, you're trying <laughs> yeah I am, I am yes sounds good <laughs> awesome um okay last i guess last question we're, we're about wrapped up here um i'm gonna ask you one i guess one more question and then just to end it off it's, it's just like a short fun question but um how did you sounds kind good. of choose your cast for PSTP. Yeah, so for this standard time travel, I knew cast was going to be one of the most important things. My friend and director Alex Farah really taught me that when I produced his music video. Produced his mm -hmm. music video Meet You at the Light, casting was an intense process and it was such a key part of the success of that project when it went on to win the grand jury prize at South by Southwest like it, it really, I mean, every department's important, but I really saw the importance of that. And so I knew that on this film, I I wanted to focus in on getting really great performances. And also growing up in Surrey, which is a very Punjabi, very sick, heavy city. Mm -hmm. And I've always done projects that are kind of in that cultural zone. My dad's from Pakistan. And I was like, let me try to do a project that's a little closer to my background and, and right. take that on as a challenge. Right. And I'm really sensitive. I grew up on, you know, watching a lot of films in Hindi and Urdu and stuff. And so I'm really sensitive to accents, to language. And I was like... I don't think I can get someone a fake an accent. I want someone who has that background, who mm. understands it. And for me, the the kind of Pakistani actors are in Toronto. Mm. And so we moved the production to Toronto to look for them. And, <laughs> and a lot of times within the system uh, that exists, you know, you're putting uh, casting calls in the system or to the unions yeah. and to the casting agents. One of the challenges, again, like I said, we need people at every level. Yeah. Sometimes the casting people don't know who's out there or the right actors aren't in the system. And so I wanted to make sure I did some reach out as well. So mostly through Instagram and through personal networks, I kind of made a casting notice, put it out there. If anyone wants to follow me at Gashavasa, I'm constantly like yeah. putting up either my own casting or other friends and reposting them. Right, right. And so that was really nice because, you know, a lot of times as an actor, especially if you can do a box on accent or if you just have one everyone's looking for you to get rid of that right and i was like mm -hmm. no i need actors who have this accent who can't speak word and and a mix it was different for different characters but okay. um that instagram posted really well and just kind of got everyone in on a google form i think i got like 80 or 85 people submitting wow um okay. and i was really fortunate <laughs> that within that group we had some really amazing performers so it was awesome. a combo of that and a combo of recommendations from other people and yeah we were just spoiled for choices like it's nice. um it's really great to see because I've been I've been doing this for a number of years and it's been really great to see like how many more people are are at least putting their name forward. Right. Like yeah, yeah. a lot of people, even including some of the actors I had in this short, they have other full time jobs, but they're they're going for it where they can. And 
it's really cool because you know that the more credits people have, the easier it is to cast them or or yeah. the, the better stories we can tell, right? And True. and so yeah, I really try I felt bad because I've I've you know I'm I've acted in things as well. And it's it's a tough path as someone who's submitting for things. Like I, I'm mm. lucky I just wait for a director friend to cast me in something, but yeah. you're trying to make it as a career, it's tough because you're putting yourself up a lot, but it's really nice to see people do that. And I tried to write an email to every single person who submitted being like, Hey, you were great. I'm putting you on this yeah. list. Not for this, maybe, yeah. or, but, but, thing, yeah. but there's a nice variety now. So it's really exciting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, Michelle, that's good, man. I'm glad you had that, you know, level of success and hopefully you continue to have that level of success, you know, going Michelle, forward with yeah. all your films. Yeah. Um, you know, last but not least, I uh, just want to know who your favorite Marvel character is. Ooh, my favorite Marvel character <laughs> right now. I'm loving Moon Knight, man. I, oh, this really? year, okay. this okay. year, Moon Knight has been, yeah. On a deep level, probably Spider-Man. I don't know what I was talking to my wife <laughs> about this last week. We're trying to figure out like, what is it about Spider-Man? That's just like so yeah. universal. Can't sure. quite land on it, but like any medium, if it's animated, if it's not animated, if it's PlayStation, like I, she's the gamer in the family. So she got me into the, the PlayStation Spider-Man. I was just like, I don't know what it is about Spider-Man. That is absolutely a thing. Part of it probably connects to this thing I'm talking about, about like doing things from a sense of wonder and fun right, and joy right. and attacking like serious problems with like, a certain yes. point of view. Um, and then this year, I think in particular, I think Moon Knight really got me because there was, it was a great way to tell a story that it wasn't an Arab or Muslim main character, but again, with having that Egyptian Muslim director, mm. you got to see what that perspective brings. Yes. And there were yes. so many little things um, that worked really well because of that, even if it's, you know, it's actually an Arab Muslim director and a Jewish character, yeah. technically. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, crazy. But getting to see that commitment to, to that and, and, and seeing how they pulled it off and the fun, you know, layers of emotion and action was really fun for me. I know you said character, not project. So character. <laughs> that's guess. fine. That's cool. Um, that's cool. And, and Moonlight really yeah, got me. This yeah, too. yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's cool. I know. I, I really was. Yeah. Spider-Man, the friendly neighborhood. And I liked the, how they made him like more of a, more of a kid. Right? Cause it's, it's a little like the yeah. innocence of Spider-Man, you know, but huge burden on the shoulders that society gives him kind of thing. So uh, I, I guess can't wait for them to do some kind of live kind of action miles. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know what? Yeah, that's a big part of it too. And yeah. it's something about that scale of like whatever five foot ten, six foot kid, giant city. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There's something about it that's just like just... I'm I'm such a sucker for anything about good people trying hard against mm. the odds, whether mm. it's Spider-Man or Mission Impossible yeah. or the West Wing or Paddington Bear. Hey. Like <laughs> good people trying hard against the odds is like yes. my like is it's my favorite it. thing. That's it. And that's it. I'll never You're get sick of it. it. Yeah, yeah. It's that's the Sierra, awesome. right? <laughs> like that's essentially <laughs> what it is, right? Like it's yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm a big that's fan. That's awesome, man. No, no, that's huge. Uh, no, I appreciate it. Thank you so, so much, uh, Kasha, for for joining us on the podcast. Um, Thank yeah, you. This is we're coming to a close now. So just a reminder to all our viewers, um, you know, make sure to come out, buy your tickets for Myth Festival on November 26th, and. You'll see Mr. Moon Knight of Myth uh, screening his uh, movie, uh, Desi Standard Tra Time Travel. Yeah. Sorry, you were going to say something? I was going to say, unfortunately, I won't be there in person. I won't be able to make it, uh, but the film will be. Yes, yes. And no I will be on the on, on the Instagram available. And if yeah, anyone wants to FaceTime me from the screening, please do. Yeah, <laughs> but my yeah. entire crew is in Toronto and all my actors are as well. So there will be people involved in the film. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So, well, don't forget to come out. Um, and Myth is, you know, the Myth socials. Uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, feel free to follow Kashif as well. Do you want to shout out your Instagram handle just real quick? Yeah. Every every platform, I'm at Kashif Pasta, K-A-S-H-I-F. Pasta, like the food. Uh, Instagram, TikTok, uh LinkedIn, Perfect. if you're freaky. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome, man. Well, 
Thanks. Thanks so much for taking your time, Kashif. Um, you know, looking forward to meeting you soon, hopefully in person uh, in the near future. Yeah. But really looking forward to watching your movies and uh, good luck with everything. Inshallah, you find all the success that you, you're hoping to get. I mean, I mean, I mean, thanks so much, Kadir. This is great. All right. So like everyone.